Matt Baird of Spoken Joins the Antidote. Matt, great to have you here. Dave, how are you? Good, man. How are you? Wow, I'm good. I had my phone was not wanting to connect to you. I had to stop. I'm standing around a corner of a red roof inn <laughs> using their <laughs> Wi-Fi. <laughs> oh man, I look creepy. How crazy is your life? I always say Twilight Zone, but I think I got to change it. I got to I got to call it something different than Twilight Zone. I don't know. I always liked the Twilight Zone, but they took yeah. it off Netflix. So now I'm not happy. Oh, I'm sorry about that. Yeah, I was traumatized by it. <laughs> I bet. <laughs> so where are you actually calling from? I don't really know. I am someplace uh, in western Indiana right now. Um, I think I'm probably 40 miles east of Champaign, Illinois. Yep. Somewhere along uh, I-70. Okay, so you're doing this on the side of the road, basically. Yeah, yeah. Well, around the corner, uh, trying to stay uh, enough out of the wind that that's not all you hear, and I'm trying to stay out of line of sight from the office of this hotel that I'm using the Wi-Fi. <laughs> Thanks for taking time out of your schedule, because as we record this, this is the release date for your new album. It's crazy. Finally here. Imagine that you would get to this point because, I mean, you guys began almost two decades ago. Do you find it hard to believe that you've covered that much ground? Absolutely. I mean, every time I think about it, um, I don't know. I'm, I'm not only grateful, but I'm also shocked. Um, I, I know a lot of my peers and bands who, you know, ha they were a band for 10 years and finally realized, you know what, it's just too hard. You know, some of them started to have families. Uh, so, you know, being home is really important and being with your family is really important. Some of them... We're, I mean, honestly, kind of tired of getting ripped off by, you know, promoters or record labels or management or whatever it was that they felt, you know, at that time was getting in their way. But at the same time, I think a lot of bands, they really have a hard time keeping band members because it's so hard to travel nonstop and to not have a normal life. So it's, it's kind of weird sometimes to think about that and to know of so many, you know, friends and peers over the years who, uh, now, they're not doing music at all, which is kind of disheartening um, because you, it never dies inside you. I mean, you, you definitely make changes and you decide to kind of follow a different season in life, but people always have music inside them. And so it's hard for me to uh, understand, you know. Um, I just know how much I love music and I love being a part of, of what it is we get to do. But you've had a lot of changes over the years, too, with band members You've had a number of label changes over the years, too. You know, you had Metro One, Tooth and Nail, E1, and now you're hooked up with Artery. Yeah, and, you know, at each one of those label situations, um, you know, during that season of the band, they were all good situations. The worst I could say about any label is, you know, sometimes you don't have control to do whatever you want to do at any moment when you want to do it. And therefore, there are guidelines, there are certain release dates that have to be adhered to. Um, there are certain things that, it, in, in the artist's mind, it makes sense to spend money on certain things, you know, with marketing or whatever. But in the end, it's the label's decision. And so you have to trust that and you have to go with that. And, you know, I think sometimes you wish it would kind of go a different way and, and a label would be like, hey, let's do whatever you want to do. And luckily, um, in our recent label endeavors, everyone's been on the same page. It's been really awesome. That is unusual, isn't it? Yeah, it's it's strange. I mean, I mean, I, I can honestly say that with, with Tooth & Nail, I mean, we were just automatically uh, exposed to, I don't know, 10 times the size of fan base as we had before that. 
you know, and, and we fulfilled our obligation with Tooth and Nail. And then uh, we moved forward. We did a, a one album deal with E1, which was kind of unheard of, especially for a band that had been around as long as us. But it made sense, you know. And so here we are now. Uh, it's probably even more out of left field for some people because, I mean, Artery has so many scene bands and young bands who are just now hitting the market. Um, so for us to be a, a band that's already put in 20 years, you know, and now we're releasing a record on Artery, I'm sure that's foreign to some people. But then again, it's something the, uh, the opportunity arose and it made complete sense for us. Well, since you brought that up, how much has changed and how much has remained the same for Spoken since you began? I mean, the only thing I think that's remained the same is the calling, the calling of the band and, and what the band exists for. Um, when I was 19 years old, you know, it was one of those things where I, I didn't know what I was doing with my life. I was working full time for my uncle doing landscaping and stone masonry. And that I knew that that wasn't what I wanted to do, even though that everyone else on my side of the family, they've done it, you know, for years, most of their life, they're all extremely successful and it's awesome. But I'm, I'm the black sheep for sure. The day my dad brought home an acoustic guitar from a yard sale that he paid $20 for, and he taught me, uh, the chords, the house of the rising sun, I, that's what I wanted to do. And so, you know, when I was 19 and I was asking God, I'm like, what can I do for you with my whole life? And, uh, luckily he's like, I want you to start a band and, and do it for real and tell people that I love them and I have a plan for their life. And so that calling has never changed. And whether it's involved with spoken or, you know, me doing acoustic shows or, or whatever it is, if I'm working at a gas station someday, I think that calling is still the same. Somehow, some way, use whatever means necessary to spread hope with the world. It's just, I feel like mine is music, and I, I hope it will always be that. So there's never been a time where you've said, okay, I want to drop the Christian focus and do something more mainstream-oriented? No, never. I mean, I just, you know, everyone always, they're like, well, don't you want to keep away from being pigeonholed in the Christian market or whatever? I'm like, you know what? No matter what, like I say something about Jesus from stage every night that automatically takes away anything to do with like, are they a Christian band? Or are they not? Like, why would a guy stand on stage in front of a bunch of strangers, play a bunch of rock and roll and then say, Hey, you know what? We believe in the hope of Jesus. To me, it's something that's like, I, I don't care. You know, if people are like, I'm not going to listen to that band ever. I'm never going to listen to that band. I heard their Christian band they still can't form an opinion on whether it's good music or not. So in the end, it's like, it's kind of a bummer for them because they, there's a lot of good bands out there. I'm not saying Spoken is that band, but there's a lot of good bands, Christian and non-Christian bands. Imagine if I'm like, I will never listen to a band that doesn't believe the same thing I believe in. I don't think Spoken would have hardly any of the influences we have musically as we do now. You know, So it's, it's one of those things where it's like people, if they love music, man, I think they can respect it. They don't have to believe anything that the person is saying. There's plenty of bands that I'm like, uh, I would never, ever say that to someone or I would never I would never write that in a song. But that doesn't mean that that's not a great band. They just use their music for a different purpose. Well, then who would you say has made an impact on you? Man, I mean, a, a lot of bands, I mean, for sure. But I think me more so nowadays, it's more more pastors. I mean, more more people who... They're just they're a different breed of what normally is something that, 
you know, people think of when they think of Christians. I mean, I mean, the pastor of my church, Mike Householders, is pretty incredible. To me, he's a he's like a younger Billy Graham, you know. And then there's Carl Lentz from Hillsong, New York, who's just literally <laughs> he breaks the mold of any kind of pastor of a church, you know. And so I'm intrigued, you know, but also I learn and I'm inspired, you know, by him. But at the same time, Hillsong has a style of music that really not a lot of people are able to emulate. Man, Thrice, Dustin Kinshrew is, I just, I love that band. I love 30 Seconds to Mars. I think Jared Leto has one of the best voices on earth, you know? And so it, it is something that I, I, I try my best to, uh, to just kind of focus on the bands that really, they kind of move me. But one of my favorite artists of all time is, is Rich Mullins, just because, especially when it comes to a worship standpoint, I feel like he had a better understanding of who God is than a lot of us do today. So it's, it's a different thing, you know, especially for someone who has no experience with church or maybe they have a bad experience with church. In the end, the church isn't just about, you know, the people, whatever. It's, it's about who Jesus is and, and whether or not these people are going to try their best to, to kind of model their life after Jesus. But as far as Christian band, uh, an older band, Petra, for sure. The classic Petra. Love it. Love it. John Schlitt is legit. That's all I'm saying. I, I didn't hear a lot of the earlier stuff. Uh, I don't know. We played with uh, with Petra two times. Once was in Branson, Missouri. At that point, he had to be 55. I don't know. I don't know how old he is now. He was all over the stage. He would run up, jump over the monitor, sit down on the front of the stage and swing his legs and point and grin at every person in the crowd. <laughs> and then about five years later, we played one of their farewell shows in Germany uh, for Christmas Rock Night, which is actually going on right now in Germany. Um, but Petra played about a two-hour set and came out for four encores. And it was amazing. And so to be able to tell the guys in Petra of how much they influenced our music and just our lives, because that's one of the first cassette tapes I ever got, other than the actual first cassette tape of a Christian band, which was Living Sacrifice and Habit. Changed my life in an amazing way. Well, I guess we should carry on with what's happening today. Yeah, today. I still still can't believe it's finally here. (laughs) It's kind of unreal. I know you're going to say this because every band I ever speak to says their new release is the best ever. But you know, bands seriously, say that they say this is the best ever, best ever. But no. you know, really, in my opinion, "Breathe Again" from Spoken that is the best that you've put out. You know, instrumentally, you've really beefed up the sound with an intense guitar, big drums. But what was your intention with the new album, with "Breathe Again"? I mean, when when Scoop, our guitar player, and I first started talking about it, which at this point was like 15 months ago, when I called him up, I'm like, hey, man, um, some of the guys in the band left. It's just me. Like, it's literally just me right now. Um, why don't you come back and let's write a record and let's do this. And uh, we had, you know, we had some goals. We had some some kind of ideas of what we would like to do. And, and we're like, let's not stop until all these goals are met type situation with this record. Anyway, it was something of like, let's let's be intentional about writing a record that's different than anything we've ever done. And, you know, the cool thing about this record is it's one of our heaviest. It truly is, but it's it's heaviest because of the drums and the guitar. Um, and not really anything to do with the vocals, because the vocals are so different. And being in the vocal booth and, uh, you know, recording these parts and being intentional about not screaming every verse or not screaming every bridge which is something that, you know, I've grown accustomed to over the years, and I enjoy it. I think it's great. 
just to scream through stuff. I mean, I like a lot of heavy bands, but at the same time, I, I love country. I love pop, you know? But this record was more intentional to not not do what we've always done. And that was a challenge for me because there it is. I'm having to write, you know, melodies and different cadences for every part of the song instead of just like, oh, it's got a poppy chorus. Cool. Do whatever I want on the rest, you know? And luckily on our Illusion record, when we recorded that, uh, Jason Rouse, who produced it, I've never learned more about songwriting than that time we spent with Jason. Like it literally, it changed my whole perception of, of songwriting. I'm not saying I, I know what I'm doing now, but I have a better grasp on it. You know, and, and the cool thing with Scoop writing differently than any of our other guitar players in the past, that brought a totally different, you know, element to the record. And then Isaiah, I mean, I've known our drummer since he was five years old, but I truly <laughs> didn't know how amazing of a drummer he was until about four years ago, you know? So it's, it's really strange. And so Isaiah definitely accents all of the guitar parts, but at the same time, I think the drums could stand alone and be just a solo drum track and it'd be interesting, you know, <laughs> just sit there and listen to drums. So, I mean, I'm really excited about it. I think it stretched me musically, and that's something uh, as well as a vocalist that I think is important to always try to, to be better or to try to do what's best for the song. And that was, that was what was the intentional part of this record. But I, I, I can't come on and say, oh, it's our best ever. I just think it's something like we put everything we possibly could into it. It's the most different record ever. I hope that people tell us it's the best ever, you know, but I would never claim that. Okay, Matt, you've got to be honest here. Dropping most of the screams, does that mean that you're actually getting mellow? No, no. <laughs> you're talking about me as a human being? You. No, I'm not, because a, a friend of mine and I, we actually just we just wrote five songs that are so heavy, it's insane. Uh, he wrote all the music, and I just started recording vocals, and it's so heavy. The vocals, there's a lot of screaming on it. I don't know if it'll ever see the light of day or if I'll ever even be able to say who's involved, but no, uh, I'm not getting mellow. I'm not. I just love music, man. I love it. With Breathe Again, you brought on a guest vocalist, Maddie Mons from Memphis May Fire. That made for a really cool vocal mix between the two of you. Yeah, he uh, he has a great voice. I'm a, I'm a huge Memphis fan, so um, I couldn't believe he actually did it. And how did you guys know each other? Um, Scoop, our guitar player, grew up in Spokane, Washington, so he grew up with Maddie. Um, and then you know Memphis Mayfire took off and went you know other places, and Scoop decided to move to Nashville. Um, he felt like that's where God was calling him to just kind of go there and maybe be a session player or just, you know, get involved with songwriting. He got accepted to Belmont, you know, and I called him up. Uh, I got his number from Andrew from Project 86 and I called him. I was like, hey man, uh, this is Matt from Spoken. I'm calling, I got your number from someone. I'm looking for a guitar player. Anyway, that's how Scoop came into the picture. Um, and then with the whole Maddie things, like Scoop moved to Nashville and he, you know, Maddie moved to Nashville and we were planning on trying out a song, like the actual song again, we were going to try out just recording a song with Cameron Mizell. We've done the past couple Memphis Mayfire records, and Cameron came to town to work on some stuff for Memphis Mayfire. He recorded a song for us. We were going to shoot a video for that song. Um, Maddie did guest vocals on it, and then he was in the video. So it was really cool. It worked out really good, and it was all because of the relationship that Scoop had with Maddie growing up. And plus, to Maddie, I'm like, man, thank you so much for doing this, for recording vocals on this. He's like, are you kidding me? Like, I started listening to Spoken at a very influential point in my life. I'm like, <laughs> get real. It's crazy. It's a small world is what it is. There we go. It's written down now. 
Spoken was the main influence for Memphis Mayfire. Uh, I wish. That'd be <laughs> awesome. I don't know if it's true, but that'd be awesome. It wasn't just Breathe Again that got my attention on the new album. So did another song called Falling Apart. You want to share about that song and how it came about? You know, being in a band, you talk to a lot of different people on the road who are at different points in their life, different struggles, uh, different demons You know that they deal with. Um, so you have a lot to draw from in that regard. But at the same time, my wife and I, we help out uh, with a recovery group at our church. It's for teens. And so there's so much going on in teenagers' lives that a lot of people just think, it's like, oh, teenager got some attitude or whatever, teenage angst. But it's not only that. I'm not saying it's not you know, also that, but it's something where everyone has this darkness that they're trying to deal with. They're trying to fumble their way through it. And, you know, if they would just allow the light, you know, to kind of penetrate that, it could break that darkness to pieces, you know. And so this song, Falling Apart, is, is based off a person that, you know, we know that, you know, we kind of just were sitting there watching the train wreck happen. And we're just like, man, you know, what's going on? How can we help? Let us be a part of what you're going through. Let us journey through it with you. Um, and so that's where Falling Apart came from. It's just like a, kind of a plea. Let me be a part of your world. And uh it was actually one of the songs that we almost cut from the record because we're like, musically, we're not sure. I don't know. I don't know. But it, we ended up recording it and feeling pretty good about it. And then that was the one that was picked as the second single. Spoken also had some pretty strong words to share on Poison in the Air. What inspired the lyrics to that one? Um, you know, there there are times when you know people will, will tell you, like, oh, man, your band is so awesome. And it's great that people think that music changed their life because I get it. My life has been changed by music. But when people go into putting you up on that pedestal situation where they're like, you're the, you're the best person I know, you're the coolest person I know, um, sometimes people start to believe that. They start to believe those. You know what? You're right. I am something. I am pretty awesome or whatever. And so that was a song basically, uh, you know, from my point of view, I'm like, this has nothing to do with me. I could never have built Spoken. I could never have built this 20-year, you know, existence on my own. Every person that's been in the band has had a part in that. Every person that's ever come to a show and paid a ticket price or bought a t-shirt or said an encouraging word, that's the reason that, you know, the band exists. And ultimately, the fact that God allows it to happen, that's what that song is about. Me saying this has nothing to do with me, I could have never done it on my own, you know. And uh, I think that if more artists might look at their career that way of like, just be thankful that you have a career. Just be thankful that anybody even cares about listening to your band or in this situation, even cares about doing an interview with you. I'm grateful, I'm thankful, I'm blessed, whatever word it is that people want to use. Um, I know that it's kind of a phenomenon that I get to still be in a band. I'm 39 years old, I'm married, I have two kids, and I'm looking to have the busiest year of touring yet coming up in 2016. So there's someone else that's in control of that, not me. Like, uh, you know, there's something greater because I, I couldn't do it on my own. What about those tour experiences? What's the craziest thing that's ever gone on with Spoken? The craziest thing? Um, uh, I, I don't even... I mean, there was a, a night that we were in... Where are we at? Wilmington, North Carolina or something like that. And we were playing this bar. And for whatever reason, even before doors opened, uh, everyone was drunk in the, the bar. Like, I guess they'd already been there all day drinking or something. And so, you know, with us, we're like, okay... 
this has the potential to kind of get insane or whatever. Um, because we, as a band, we don't drink on the road. I don't drink at all. Um, and so like, it's something that we're up there and, and you already have all these drunk people everywhere. And, uh, you're like, wow, this, this is going to get interesting. Anyway, while we were playing, there were like these dudes up towards the front of the stage, kind of dancing and like waving at us and stuff like that. And I'm like, what is going on? But yet they're there with their wives you know, everybody's got a wedding band on and everyone's like, oh, hey, joking around like between songs. I'm like, uh, this is the weirdest place on earth. Anyway, afterwards, we're standing out on the sidewalk, just kind of chatting with those people who have somehow sobered up a bit, you know, and they're like, man, that was a great show. Loved it. Man, that was awesome. And people on the top floor of this building start dropping uh, bottles out the windows and they're like busting on the sidewalk around us. So our, our conversation kind of got ended quickly. But at the same time, I was kind of glad because I'm like, what in the world? What are, what's wrong with these people? But I'll, I'll never forget that, and I hope it never happens again. <laughs> it sounds like you're on the verge of that scene from the Blues Brothers movie. I've actually never seen it. Oh, and they're playing this redneck bar, and they know only one country song, and everybody's throwing bottles at the band. But fortunately, there's a big wire cage up in front of them. I wish there was a wire cage that night, to be honest. Okay, so that maybe that was an odd experience for you, but you yourself, Matt, you're a bit of an oddity because everybody knows you as this hard rock vocalist, but you also perform worship sets. But is there a relationship between the two? Well, I mean, I just see it as like no one would know who I was unless it was because of spoken, right? You know, like that's that's the only way people know who I am. You know, about three years ago or three and a half years ago, I. I threw myself under the bus and said I would lead worship at this church that we were playing at. And so we were, we were there on a Saturday night, and uh, uh, we were about to walk on stage, actually, in this small town in, in Louisiana. And the pastor walks up to me. I'm outside. I'm, I'm walking up, and the pastor's like, hey, madam, Pastor Dwayne, thank you guys so much for coming and playing our, our small church or whatever. Uh, I'm like, oh, no, it's cool to be here. He's like, could you guys lead worship tomorrow? And I'm like, oh, no. Uh, I was like, you know, actually, we live in three different states. We don't get to practice our own songs. So it wouldn't be leading anybody. I'm like, literally, people would be just bailing out the door. Like, it wouldn't be pleasant. He's like, oh, oh, you know, okay. And I'm like, oh, what in the world? I was like, you know what? I'll do it. He's like, great. <laughs> he says to me, he's like, Dexter will pick you up at 830, sound check at 9, playing on 30 minutes of worship at 930. I'm like, okay. Oh, I... I had never led worship at a church. I'd played some songs at a church, like for offering, play a song here and there or whatever, but I'd never been like, okay, welcome everyone. Thanks for coming. Lead them in worship and then, you know, go on into the service. So I said yes to it. And the long, long, long story short is that that next morning I finished the first worship song I had ever written uh, in order to be able to have enough songs to play at that morning worship service. And uh, the cool thing was, is that song fit perfectly with everything that was going on that day. And so it kind of started, you know, something of like, okay, I'm actually going to do this. I started doing more and more acoustic shows. And then I started going to my church in Des Moines, Iowa. And they started asking me uh, if I wanted to play, you know, during offering. 
um, just me and a guitar. And I'm like, yeah, sure. And so I asked, like, what's the what's the sermon series going to be that week? And so then I would start writing uh, songs based on the sermon series and just kind of incorporate it that way. Wow. Uh, not to mention just some of the experiences and kind of the situations that God allowed me to walk through and walk into and, you know, be confused by, uh, turn them into songs. And so it all works together, you know, because I try to do acoustic tours between every spoken tour and, uh, you know, bring my wife and my kids with me so my kids can see why I'm gone all the time. Um, at the same time, people who have listened to Spoken for years, they can see who a lot of the songs are about. You know, they get to meet my wife and uh, it's my support system. You know, it's what keeps me sane. And so the fans of the band, they get to meet them. With that worship side of you, is that how the song Take My Breath Away, the album Closer, came about? No, that song came about like I we had this music bed that you know, it was more laid back, more moody or whatever. And I mean, to be honest, I was missing my wife and I just, I was just constantly reevaluating my relationship with her and what she means to me. And she's put up with a lot over the years with me being gone so much. And, you know, in, in any situation, she's a girl, I'm a guy, uh, we're wired differently, but she, she's extremely patient. I wouldn't be able to be in a band still if it wasn't for her for so many reasons, just because I don't know. She's a, she's a voice of reason, you know, at all times. And so I truly believe that God created her specifically for me, and we are in this together as, as teammates. That's nice. So it's actually a tribute to your wife? Absolutely. Matt Baird of Spoken has been here at The Antidote. Matt, really good to talk with you, and uh, really have a good time with the new album, Breathe Again. Awesome. Thank you so much. Thank you, thank you, thank you.